Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And happy Friday morning to everybody out there listening. This is Two Guys and a Mic, Brady Stiff in for the coach. Big Dog is on the phone. Big Dog, happy Friday to you. What's up, Brady? How's everything going, my friend? It's going well. You know, I had to start this morning with uh, a little something greasy. Went out last <clears throat> Excuse me. Went out last night, got a little roughed up, but we're okay. We made it, and uh, it's Friday. Well, you know what? Seriously, if you're trying to get skinny, eating a big, greasy breakfast in the morning is one of the best things that, that you can do for your body. I'm not kidding you. It, I, of, I live by that religiously. Yeah, you, you, you get a bunch of fat in your body in the morning, and your body knows it can burn fat. So actually, you're doing something pretty healthy. Now, whatever you did last night, that might not be so healthy. Well, I mean, I was I was dancing, so I was burning calories, right? I mean, you know, moving around, dancing a little bit. Oh, you danced? Oh, my dancing shoes came out last night, big dog. I got, I got to tell you, we we went to Dirty Nellie's. Have you ever been to to Nellie's out in Palatine? Uh, I, I've heard of it many a time, and whenever I've been in uh, Palatine, I actually have never been to Nellie's. Though. Okay, well there there was a top forty cover band playing, and top forty is usually not my my thing, but um, got to tell you, I mean, it was it was a good time. Lots of dancing, lots of people. The singer was hot, so it's all good. Well, uh, hopefully the people you were dancing with were hot, because oh, of course. <laughs> So of course. Me, uh, you, you know me. Come on now. Now, uh, I have to be honest with you. I really don't know any top 40, and I don't know who Lady Gaga is, but everybody's talking about Lady Gaga. So right. That's what Lady Gaga was being played. And she, well, she's at Lollapalooza this weekend, which I am avoiding downtown Chicago simply because of Lollapalooza, because I don't have tickets. So I'm going to avoid downtown Chicago this weekend, and I suggest you do the same if you don't don't have Lollapalooza tickets. So. Oh, well, I, I will definitely be down there this oh, good. particular weekend. Good. And uh, I'm bringing a camera and uh, a few other things, and I'm going to try to see how much money I can possibly make. So that's my goal. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, that's my goal this weekend. <laughs> so, and I'll be filming all of it, so hopefully they don't confiscate the actual camera. Nice. Well, on this Friday show, Big Dog, we're going to have some fun. I'm going to put you on the spot. And uh, we talked last time, I was, well, not last time I was here, because that was Tuesday, but uh, before that we talked about your trivia exploits and Stump the Schwab. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, and uh, test your abilities. Hope, hopefully you're not rusty. Uh, uh, well, well, hopefully I didn't get rusty. I still have a brain. It still should be in there, I'm assuming. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll also talk some some sports blasphemies, so to speak. Things that, as a sports fan, you should not do or feel or say or think, whatever. And I want to hear some of your ideas as well. well okay, uh, that sounds good. We'll, we'll talk with Dave Kaplan of Comcast Sportsnet and WGN Radio about all things Chicago sports, and then we'll uh, we'll go over some of the some of the national headlines too. So let's uh, let's start right away with sports blasphemies. And th- this topic came up to my this topic got in my head when I was at a Cubs game uh, about a month ago. Uh, it was a Cubs Pirates game, and I mean it, Cubs Pirates, you know, n- nothing nothing exciting there. But we were sitting uh, in the upper deck. And to our right um, were two kids, probably aged 12 and maybe 10, decked out in St. Louis Cardinals gear and cheering every time 
the Pirates did something good or the the Cubs did something bad. The Cubs ended up losing the game two to nothing. Uh, but that, that's that's that may get on my nerves the most is wearing a different team's gear to a game just to spite the home team. That, that's and if if they were older, we might have ha- we might have had words and fisticuffs and it, it's a good thing they were they were younger kids because I might have gotten myself in trouble. But um, nonetheless. I think it's out of the question that you can't wear opposing, not opposing team stuff, but like an irrelevant team's gear to a game. Would you agree? No, I, no, I, I have to totally disagree with you. Really? Now, I, I lived on the corner of 44th and Wallace, so that is uh, le- legitimately directly south of U.S. Sailor Field. I bleed Cubby Blue, obviously. And uh, I would always wear something Cubs when I would go to U.S. Cellular Field. Now, I didn't really make it a point to, you know, like like overly root for uh, like the opposing team. As a matter of fact, I could really care less. But uh, I made it a point that, hey, check this out. There's only 18,000 people here, and one of them is a diehard Cubs fan. Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I've worn Cubs stuff to a White Sox game before, and it was, uh, it was just a hat. But, I mean, so I, I guess I'm guilty of my own... Um, blasphemy here but I've, I've grown up since then and I, I don't think i'll ever do that again wear cubs stuff to an, a non-cubs game and root for the opposing team just to spite the home team crowd well i really wasn't like overly rooting for um, the other team but i gotta tell you something you're probably just afraid to do it is what it is <laughs> too many people were like what the heck are you doing here and i like, you know when they were asking me i'm like well i'm sitting in the second row because it's taking you know so <laughs> right well they say if you're afraid by a dog but I'm allergic to dogs, so I, I can't buy a dog. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> no. Um, my next one on the list is wearing a jersey of a player who's no longer on the team. Now, there, there's a few exceptions here. Uh, let's t- let's take the Cubs, for example. Ryan Sandberg, Mark Grace, Ron Santo. If you can come up with one of those jerseys, by all means, go ahead and wear it. Two out of those three numbers are retired by the Cubs, and Mark Grace is my Maybe my favorite Cub of all time. Granted, I'm, I'm a young kid, so I've only been around for 23 years, but he's maybe my favorite Cub of all time. Would, would you agree that wearing an, a Nomar Garcia Parra Cubs jersey is out of the question? You know that the, the Nomar ones, you know, bother me a little bit, but like the Mark Pryor ones, really, if you can't get a better jersey than a Mark Pryor, what the heck are you doing? Right. I, I, anything Chicago Cubs. I have a Carlos Zambrano jersey in my closet, and. I'm afraid to wear it now because, not necessarily because of scrutiny I would receive from fellow fans, but I just feel like it'd be a misrepresentation of my Cubs fandom, you know, supporting Carlos Zambrano. And I've been a big Zambrano supporter over the years. I think he's got a ton of talent. I love his competitive spirit. But now I've kind of grown sick of his act, and I think it's I think it's finally time for the Cubs to let him go. And for me, you know, my, my personality is, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be in my corner and, until you prove me wrong. And Carlos Zambrano has proved me wrong. Well, you, you know what? He had a six or seven really, really, really good year. And you know, maybe he can bounce back from this. He still has three years left on this contract after this year. So I'm with you. Hopefully, they can trade him. But uh, I, I'm hoping maybe he can get his act together. Now, I have a friend who every time he buys a jersey. The guy gets the the player of the jersey that he has gets traded from the team. <laughs> so we we begged him to go get an Alfonso Soriano jersey last year, and he did, and it hasn't worked. Well, I so. mean, 
there there are certain issues with certain players, but you know it, it's a big risk buying a jersey because you you never know what can happen. You know, guy gets traded, guy gets hurt, guy just suddenly retires. You know, I've got I've got a Jay Cutler jersey on right now, and and hopefully Jay Cutler will be around for a while because it's a nice jersey. I'd like to get some use out of it. Yeah, yeah, I like I feel bad for these people because typically people who buy jerseys, you know, are the you know like as coach will call them the salt of the earth. You know, the working class people, people making ten bucks an hour, and all of a sudden they go out and That's spend two hundred and forty bucks on a jersey, <laughs> and then they you know, they find out, oh yeah, by the way, the guy's got a cocaine habit, or the guy right. has steroids, or you know, you find out something. Just feel like I can't believe I wasted like two days worth of work on this guy. <laughs> what about? Um, and this is big out in L.A. Uh, because that's just the culture out there. But getting to a game late and leaving a game early to beat traffic. Uh, that, that to so me... Have you, have you been to Dodger Stadium and Chavez Ravine? I have not been to Chavez Ravine. I've never been to California, put it that way, so no. Oh, I, I absolutely love California. Now, Los Angeles is the worst city in California. But uh, it's, I, I will admit this. Going to a Dodger game is almost impossible to get to. So if you get off of work at 5 o'clock, to be able to get there by 7 o'clock in two hours is almost an impossibility. Whenever I hear anybody complain about Chicago traffic, I'm like, they better never drive in Los Angeles then. Yeah. And to leave early, okay, it's on Sunset Boulevard is uh, the best way. West for Dodger Stadium is at. The best way for me to tell you is not exactly the best place to be if you're it's not a good neighborhood, is all I can tell you. Okay. It's, so, like, I don't know. They, they show up on time, like the Lakers games and all that, and they show up on time and they stay for uh, Angel games. It's just where Dodger Stadium is at. That's the biggest problem. Right. Well, I, I mean, Dodger Stadium's just one example, but, you know, you, you think about leaving a game early. It, it especially blows my mind when guys or people in general leave – a two, a three to two game in the seventh inning because they want to beat traffic. Oh, I'll listen to the game on the radio. You paid for a ticket. You paid to watch the game. What are you doing? You, you know what cracks me up is? Do you remember the game where the the Dodgers hit four consecutive home runs oh, to sure. tie the game in the ninth? Sure. They were showing people in the in the parking lot sprinting back <laughs> into the stadium. And most of these stadiums, you can't get back in once you're out. So no, I mean, you can't. They're yeah, so kind of SOL. And no problem, sir. That'll be a forty dollars ticket. So yeah. Uh, well, one of my biggest blasphemy when it comes to, to to sports is that you're sitting around with your boys, is like Adia, and you're watching the Bears game, and and Donald Driver scores a touchdown for the Packers, and some jerk goes. Oh, I got him on my fantasy team. <laughs> okay. I, I I may or may not be guilty of that sometimes. Uh, by the way, I could care less about anybody's fantasy team, and I'm not just talking smack. I always win every league, so I can really care less if I lose a week in the middle of the season. So, but And I and I never play anybody against the Bears. I figure, you know what, I would rather lose and have Tom Brady on the bench than watch Tom Brady throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns against the Bears and root for it. Right. Yeah. So that, I, no, I, I can't do it. Fantasy sports puts us in tough spots sometimes because – I mean, some, especially in the, when you get to the playoffs of your league, I mean, you need your guys to perform, so you're going to put your best team on the field, the virtual field, so to speak. Uh, so if it happens to be against the Bears, and I'm, I've am i got, uh, I've got um, let's say, Sean Green going, Jets-Bears, I've probably got to put him in. I mean, especially if I've got money on the line. With the pay league, I guess that is a little bit different issue, but 
uh, I, I guess I've been lucky because every every single pay league that I've been in, I've gone with a matchup that didn't go against the Bears, but and and it, and it didn't hurt me. So, right. but still, that it's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> just right. shut up. Just let's, you know, you, just don't tell me about it. I don't want to know. <laughs> let's uh, let's move away from blasphemies for a second. I'm going to put you on the spot, uh, and th- these are all baseball questions. So hopefully, these are right up your alley. Uh, well, I'm going I'm to give you a question and then four answers. Um, so which player had his uniform number three retired by one club even while he was still an active player with another club? A, Babe Ruth, B, Harold Baines, C, Dale Murphy, or D, Alex Rodriguez? Uh, I believe that would be uh, Harold Baines. Let's, let's, and... see, let's see if you're right. You are correct. Big Dog won. I guess you're not playing up against anyone, so uh, let's let's see what the next one. Because what this does is it gives me I've got a book of probably five thousand questions, and I press a button, it shuffles, gives me a number, and I got to turn to that number. So I'm doing that now. Let's see. Let's go. Last question for now. We can always come back to it. Okay, here we go. Of the following pitchers, which one won the most Cy Young awards? A. Don Drysdale. B. Bob Lemon. C. Tom Seaver or D. Dennis Eckersley. Um. Wow. Are we are we well, stumping Eckersley, the big Eckersley, dog? Yeah, Eckersley only won one. Uh, what was C? What was the C? The is Tom one? Seaver. He only won one too. I don't think Drysdale only won one. So did Bob Lemon win? Bob Lemon. Is that your guess? Bob yeah. Lemon. All right. Let, okay. Let's see. Bob Lemon is incorrect. The answer is Tom Seaver. Oh, he must have won two. I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right, let, let's put that away for now. Let's go with a couple more blasphemies because we're having fun on Friday here. Two guys to Mike. Brady Stiff in for the coach. Big Dog on the phone. What about changing your lifelong allegiance because your team had a bad year? Now, as Cub fans, we, you know, we've, we've got a little rough. But let's say you're, you're a, um, uh, New England Patriots fan, and they have a bad year this year. Are you going to change your lifelong allegiance because your team had a bad year? Well, let me put it this way: my my favorite teams are the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Cubs, Illinois basketball, Illinois football, and then you know like Chicago Bulls, and 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 then it's always been the Chicago Blackhawks. So I guess my answer would be no to all of those questions. So if I actually admit that I'm a diehard Illinois football fan. I guess I have uh, I stay true to the team that I'm actually rooting for, so absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, as Cub fans, we've got thick skin through and through because it's been 101 years and soon to be 100, no, soon to be 103 years since the World Series. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we've got it a little rough as Cubs fans. Uh, White Sox fans, you know, 2005, they got a good shot to get to the postseason this year. New York Yankees fans, they they bug me the most because 27 world championships they almost expect one well they do expect one every three or four years or so i mean they've got it easy you know the, the yankees are almost always competitive they they went through a rough stretch in the was it, late 80s early 90s yeah that that was a they, they went through the 80s and didn't win a, a world series title and everybody freaked out of them <laughs> and they only went to one world series which was in the strike short in 81 year which nobody cared about right so I mean the Yankees fans have it easy. Um, let's let's think about NBA. What about Clippers fans? I mean that that's rough. 
Are there Clipper fans? I, there must be. People go to their games. Unless they, unless really? people show up at the Staples Center thinking that Kobe and the Lakers will play that night. You know, that might be it. I mean, maybe maybe that's their marketing strategy. They just don't tell people that it's the Clippers. <laughs> Come watch for NBA basketball at the <laughs> Staples Center. Exactly. We just won't tell you what teams are playing. <laughs> the Clippers. The Clippers got some good players though. Well, one guy. I mean, and Blake Griffin. We haven't seen him play yet because he was hurt all last year. Uh, so this is his sort of de facto rookie year coming up. Uh, which is he eligible for rookie of the year? Is, oh, absolutely. Okay. It's, uh, after I, you, so yeah. Right. Because remember, David Robinson was drafted, and two years later, he won the rookie of the year. Right. Right. Um, guy out of Indiana, of course, who I'm partial to, Eric Gordon, is a fantastic guard. Doesn't get a lot of uh, pub because he plays for the Clippers now, but uh, that's okay. Um, let's see. Baron Davis. Baron Davis. Yes. Um, so they got a decent team. They're just always going to be overshadowed by the Lakers. So what are you going to do? Well, I mean, if you're a Clipper fan for this long, you're not about to jump off board because they had a bad season because basically every season is a bad season. Right. Well, let's say let's say you are a um let's say you're a oh, I don't know, Kansas City Chiefs fan, okay? And let's go back to the days when um, Dante Hall was was uh, tearing up the Kansas City uh, landscape. Let let's say he gets traded. Okay, if you're a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't have the right to boo um, anybody for getting traded. You don't have the right to boo a former player because he got traded. Yeah, well, unless he's like you know, like Manny Ramirez, and he demanded a trade. Yeah, I, I guess I just I think that, you know, when former players come back to play, they shouldn't be booed. They don't have to be cheered necessarily, uh, but they shouldn't be booed unless like Manny or in some extreme cases something happened. And did we, did we lose Big Dog? No, no. Oh, okay. you're here. Excellent. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it's former players coming back to play. Uh, I don't think they should be booed. And I, I find it bothersome when people do that. And, and there were situations. I remember when when Greg Maddox was getting booed by a few Cub fans that didn't know the story after uh, he left via free agency in between '92 and '93. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? He turned down the Cubs. Absolutely screwed him over because you know he did the whole thing. Just give me a contract offer by the end of the season. They never did. And then when the season was over, he's like, hey, I'm going on vacation with my family. Uh-huh. So give me the offer, and then finally they wouldn't do it. And he's like, give it to me by this day, by this time. And Larry Hines made it a point to call five minutes after the, the allotted time that Greg Maddox had. Nice. So he, he he leaves and go to Atlanta. How could you be mad at Greg Maddox over that? Right. It, it's, you know, so like when people booed him, I'm like, you know, you're booing the wrong guy. You should be booing the old GM here, Larry Hines. So. Right. All right, let's take a quick time out. It's 1020 here in Chicago. You're listening to Two Guys and a Mike Brady Stiff in for the coach. Big Dog on the phone. When we come back, we'll hopefully talk with David Kaplan of Comcast Sportsnet and WGN Radio. Stay with us on TalkZone.com.
time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Brady Stiff in for the coach, big dog on the phone. Big dog, I don't know what to uh, what to say about this one, but if you're a baseball fan and you don't know how to keep score, that to me, that I mean, I, I grew up... You know, my, my dad's a, a baseball, or he was a baseball coach, um, mm-hmm. and he taught me how to keep score. I've known how to keep score forever. Um, to me, it's just if you don't if you don't know how to keep score in a baseball game, what are you doing? Yeah, it, and the one thing is my pet peeve is when, like I'm keeping score at the game, which I do every single time I go to a, a Chicago Cub game. I don't do it when I'm at uh, the stall because I'm too busy chasing people with tramp stamps. Uh, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> Is you know like somebody comes in, well, I'll do it this way, you're not doing it the right way, dude. I know exactly what I'm doing. It's like hieroglyphics. I don't really care if you don't like the way I'm doing it. Are you going to be reading this when I'm done with the game? You know what I mean? It's one of those things. So. Right, and everybody's got their style uh, of keeping score, and you know some guys do it. You know, just the straight up F eight, you know, six three. Other guys have color codes. I mean, whatever works for you. It's kind of like you know, getting ready for a radio show. Whatever works for you. Um, mm-hmm. But it like I, I play on a softball team, and we have to have one of our, our our lady fans keep score for us because the guys don't know how to keep score. Oh, you're kidding me! A, dead serious. It, yeah, they need to quit playing softball. <laughs> and ever if they ever complain about anything, some get the same guys that are probably complaining that. You know, they're not hitting third or fourth in the lineup are the same ones that can't keep score either. Right. Uh, to me, it's just, uh, it goes along with not knowing the words to take me out to the ball game. I mean, when, when guys show up at, at Wrigley and they, they have to use the little sheet they give you for the words for, for take me out to the ball game, that, that to me is... Hold on a second. They actually give you a sheet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You watch Cub Game and, and you see, for instance, Jeff Gordon... Um, famous NASCAR driver who oh, butchered, oh, butchered, take crazy. me out to the ball game. He had they give you a sheet uh, with the lyrics on there, and some some of the people who have to struggle through it, they um they yeah they they read the sheet, don't know the words. Yeah, Jeff Gordon may have been the worst person ever on there for like embarrassing himself because like when Dicka sang it too fast and you know like okay that was embarrassing. When, oh, it's Mike Osborne, Dicka. You got to give him a pass. What's up? It's Mike Ditka. You got to give him a pass, right? Well, yeah. Well, and at least he got the words right. He just can't think. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the okay. So he freaked out. Ozzy Osbourne was just trying to create a scene. And Jeff Gordon, when he yeah, this it's beautiful. This is one of my favorite places. I love coming to Wrigley Park. Oh, you do love coming to Wrigley Park. Huh? Yeah, he 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 lost me at Wrigley Stadium. <laughs> oh, did he say Wrigley Stadium? I, I think it was Wrigley Stadium. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was wrong. Right. Now let's 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 bring in a guy who hosts Chicago Tribune Live on Comcast Sportsnet, Cubs tenth inning postgame show on WGN Radio. He's David Kaplan joining us on the program. Cap, I feel like the tables have turned a little bit. I was once interned for you. Now I'm interviewing you on the radio. Yeah, pretty funny. Look how well you're doing. You guys got a great show, and here I am. I was in Dusty Baker's office, and I saw the phone ringing, and I'm like, "Oh, that's my guy, Brady Smith." You got it. So talking to Dusty Baker, I you mean I get precedence over Dusty Baker? You, I just walked out of his office to talk to you. 
Wow, that way to thanks for making me feel good about myself, Cap. That's awesome. There you go. <laughs> not much. Uh, hey, have you been out to the track at all? I have not been out to the track. I'm actually planning an expedition out to the track with uh, Eddie Olchek. We're going to be there in a couple of weeks. So nice. We'll together. You let me know. I'll take the day off of work and we'll we'll hook up. We'll I'll teach you how to win and and we'll be good. You got a deal. All right. Say hi, say no, hi to Big Dog, Joel Joel Radwanski. Well, I've never one of my guys. <laughs> you so got this it. This is like a double-toe on this interview. interview right now. <laughs> hey, like a proud daddy. There you go. There you go. Hey, Cap, about these Cubs, uh, I think this year's time has passed. It's time to talk about next year. So I want to kind of go over what next year's starting nine will look like, because I think it's going to be drastically different from uh, from this year's. Let's start, at, let's start with the rotation. Obviously, we've got Ryan Dempster. Randy Wells, but after that, I mean, Zam- is Zambrano going to be? I mean, they're they're going to try and get rid of him in the offseason, Let's be real. But after after Dempster and Wells, I mean, who else? Well, you have Dempster here. As you mentioned, Randy Wells probably will be here. Um, I think beyond that, Gorzolani probably will be here. Will be three. Some people feel Andrew Kashner is moving into the rotation. I believe that will be a mistake if they do it because I think he's more of a one-pitch pitcher needing to get better consistency with his breaking stuff so they don't just sit on his 100-mile-an-hour fastball, which might blow away the seven, eight, nine hitters in the National League. But we saw what Paul Canerco did with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He sure. knocked it out of the ballpark. So that's the problem. You have got to make sure that you go get a front-of-the-rotation off. That's what they most need. Yes, they didn't hit, and that hurt them early. But I think you can find some hitters who can be pretty decent. you got to get a top-of-the-rotation guy to lead this staff. So do you don't think there's any chance that actually Lilly comes back as a free agent, possibly as a, as a third starter plus a, maybe a number one? I think that would be a mistake. You know, he's an older guy. He's a good pitcher. No problem having him on the staff. I like him as a person. But you've got guys to be threes and fours and fives, and Ted is a an okay two, a really excellent three. He's not a front of the rotation guy on a team trying to win. If Ted Lilly's your top guy, then you're a team that's up the track. What about what about first base? You know, Derek Lee's been anchoring first base since '04. Now his contract is up, right? This year, Derek Lee's contract is up, and he will not be back. There. He will not be back, and we've seen what Micah Hoffpower can do. Not much. And he's an older guy, too. So are they going to go after a free agent? Are they going to, is there someone in the in their system that they can move to first base? What do you think? Well, I think that they are going to take a serious look at moving Tyler Colvin to first. Really? There is no one in the system that they feel can move over and play there, or they'll go out and make a move for, you know, Somebody that you'll look and go, yeah, who is that? And then we'll find out if they can really play because they'll come from a smaller market like Derek Barton over at the Oakland A's. Or, you know, I remember when the Reds signed Scott Hattiebert. Not him. He's done. But I'm talking about someone like that, who's someone who fits into the numbers, comparable numbers that they're looking for, good on-base percentage, solid above guy, good clubhouse guy, until they can find a prospect that they can have there for a long, long time or you know, make some type of astute signing. But to go out and throw... Four times fifteen, and Adam Dunn to me would be asinine. Yeah, I, should they start playing Colvin there now? I mean, if they really want to find out, why don't they just bench Lee and actually put Tyler Colvin out there every day? Uh, because I don't think they're going to do that to Derek Lee. He's a clubhouse leader. He 
He's a really wonderful guy. I know he hasn't performed well, but you know maybe the last couple of weeks or Achilles dealing with a, a bit of an injury, but they're not going to force Derek Lee to just sit on the bench and watch the rest of the season. That's just not a class way of handling his exit. Right now, about second base, we just the Cubs just traded for Blake Dewitt, and is he the guy that? is going to be there for a while? I mean, do they see him as as a piece? I mean, he's not a spectacular player, but... Uh, You're talking about which guy, Colvin? No, Blake DeWitt. DeWitt. Blake DeWitt. He's simply in an evaluation period here with the Cubs. He makes no money, 480 grand. Um, they got a younger, cheaper version of Ryan Terrio, mm-hmm. and he hits from the left side. Now, Ryan in 08, 07 was an outstanding player. In 9 and 10, not as outstanding as he's been. Good hitter. Wonderful person, love him dearly, but uh, they're evaluating Blake DeWitt. If somebody comes down the pike that can play second base, Blake DeWitt will be out of a job unless he has demonstrated that he should be an everyday guy, and I don't think that he is on a really good team because they're going to have to address the leadoff spot. At some point in time, you got to find a true leadoff guy. Well, you really don't have any open spots on this team next year because Colvin's going to be on a team. He's not a leadoff guy. Marlon Bird's on the team. He's not a leadoff guy. Castro's on the team. He's not a leadoff guy. Ramirez isn't going anywhere. He's not a leadoff guy. Soto's not going anywhere. He's not a leadoff guy. Soriano, we've seen that tired act at leadoff. He won't be back there. So first base is open. If you move Colvin there, you still have right field open. That's not a leadoff position unless you're going to get Ichiro Suzuki, and that isn't happening. Uh, So the only other spot you have open is second base. So that's a prototypical leadoff type guy. So Blake DeWitt will be on the team because the price is right. I'm not convinced he'll be in the lineup. Uh, you mentioned Starlin Castro, and we all know that he'll be that shortstop for the foreseeable future for the Cubs. Aramis Ramirez at third. Uh, speaking of Aramis, next year, just I mean, it has to be better than this year. This year is a total wash, and probably because of that thumb that keeps bothering him, but y- you'd think that with an offseason to get healthy, he'll be back, right? I mean, come on. Which guy? Aramis. Aramis. I'm not convinced. I've never been a fan of Aramis, and I know he's put up numbers. I am not a rotisserie league guy. I don't look at teams and go, well, we put a great rotisserie league team together because he drove in 102 and he hit 31 home runs and he hit, you know, whatever. I watch how he plays and how he comports himself and how he is in the clubhouse, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm telling you I think he's a dog. I don't believe this is a guy that sells out unless the team is in contention and independent race. I watched the game the other night. I was at the park. They hit a rocket down the uh, down the third base, and he played Roger Dorn from Major League with that whole <laughs> A garbage, and it went right past him in the left field. I think a guy who sells out is on the ground trying to make that play. I don't think that's Aramis Ramirez, and if I was running a team, he'd be the first guy to get out of town. Yeah, I have never, Cap, not one time can I ever remember Aramis Ramirez breaking up a double play at second base when he was going no, to first No, he doesn't do the little things to win. That's just, he is not a quality player. This Cubs team is just is awful. They, well, there is one reason to watch him this year, and one is Starlin Castro. What chance do you think he has of actually winning the National League Rookie of the Year? Because I really think with you know, like him, Buster Posey, and Jason Hayward are, the, are going to be the options. Do you think he has a chance to win it? Well, if you look at the numbers, I mean, Jason Hayward's numbers, you know, from his quickest start as he had, he's only got, what, 50 to 60 range in RBIs. He's hitting, what, 250, 260? Yes, yep. he exploded on the scene quickly, but I look at Jason Hayward and I'm not convinced. I think he's got a 
great future ahead of him, but I'm not convinced he's the rookie of the year. Maybe he'll get that nod because his team's in the race and he had a quick start. But Sterling Castro has come up since the end of May and been outstanding. He's hitting over 300. He took the punch, so to speak, in June when his career started to go down a little bit for a month and came right back in July and hit 375, 380. So this is a guy who I think has a bright future, but I believe that future two years from now, maybe at second base, because Pat Julie is their best prospect at shortstop. And I look at him, and I believe he is a plus runner. He's got a better arm and a better glove than Starlin Castro. Won't hit for the power that Castro might. So I look at him, and I believe he may be your shortstop with Castro at second a couple of years from now. Interesting. And the the outfield for the Cubs, Soriano's in left. He's not going anywhere because of that contract. Marlon Byrd is... Such a contagious ball player. I mean, he just brings such a positive attitude to the ballpark. I mean, I haven't been out to the park much, but I can just see it on TV. And you, Cap, having been there quite a bit, probably feel it in the clubhouse as well. Yeah, he's been a real good leader for the team. He, it's, you know, you get rid of a, a dog like Milton Bradley and you bring this guy in. It's been <laughs> night and day difference. But unfortunately, the season got away quickly with Derek Lee and Aramis Ramirez. Both were awful the first Oh, I don't know, 90 days or so. They were horrible offensively. It buried the team, and now they're looking up at both the Cardinals and the Reds running away with the division in terms of a cup perspective. And then you look at Houston's ahead of them now, Milwaukee's ahead of them now. The Cubs are just a bad baseball team. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's move to the south side of town. And the White Sox are in first place, and they're playing good baseball. Is this a team that... I mean, I, I know this, the the baseball cliche is once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. But is this really a team that can win it all? Not convinced it's a team that can win it all. Not convinced. Uh, what would you say is the number one weakness if you look at that team? Number one weakness. Hmm. For, for me, it's for if you're talking playoff possibilities, it's uh, the fact that they don't really have a top end of the rotation, a number one starter that can just blow somebody away. Yeah, I would have to agree. But how many teams really do? I mean, the New York Yankees have a top-of-the-rotation guy. They have two or three of them. I mean, A.J. Burnett would probably be number one, and he struggled for them at times. Uh, C.C. Sabathia is outstanding. There's a number of guys that the Yankees will run out and all-star at almost every position. But beyond that, how many teams at the Phillies, they're going to throw a real good rotation at you. But it's how your guys perform in crunch time, and then you come up with the key hits. You look back at the Cubs of 07 08, they didn't come up with a key hit, and their main guys did not do the job. So I think anything, it's a crapshoot when you get to the playoffs because whoever goes out and throws two or three really good games, you go, whoa, where did that come from? They could be world champs. That's what happened in 05 because they did it with a bunch of, like, I thought number two starters, to be quite honest with you. They had a whole rotation of two starters. Next thing you know, they went through the playoffs, basically. Right, but those guys, when they had to, stepped up and pitched their you-know-what's off. They really did an outstanding job of taking the ball and then just saying, I'm going to leave everything I've got right on the field. And how many of those guys were going? Seven, eight innings every single time they got the ball. I think the the best thing about the White Sox this year is how good Alexei Ramirez has become. Uh, Cap, this guy has gone from somebody that was like a question mark and, and made some great plays and some spectacular plays and then a bad play. For right now, Steve Stone said that this guy's playing the best shortstop he's ever seen in his life. He's said it more than once during broadcast, which has kind of blown me away. He's been unbelievable. I mean, his defense, and there's, he gets a 
lot of the credit. Obviously, he's making the plays. But I think one of the most astute signings I've seen in a long, long time was the addition of Omar Vizquel. And last year I wrote a blog post during the middle of the season that the Cubs should go get Omar Vizquel, and I was just excoriated for it. Why would you want a 43-year-old guy, blah, blah, blah? Because he teaches your young kids, and you knew Castro was coming quick, and you knew Terrio needed some help. He teaches you how to be a professional, how to play. It's not just about ability. It's about knowing and understanding what's expected and how to handle certain things, especially a guy who comes from Cuba who hasn't grown up with the proliferation of media we see now. Well, all of a sudden, he's got 50 microphones in his face, and he doesn't know how to handle all this stuff. And he, the language is a barrier, and he sees and hears and the booze, and there's 40,000 yelling his name. Just, it's unbelievable. Food's different. How do you handle everything to travel? And I, I just think that signing of Omar Vizquel will go down as one of the more astute moves I've seen in probably a decade. Yeah, Vizquel shows up before every single game in a good mood, joking around, working on like every which way to hit a ball from both sides of the plate. He takes ground balls from you know the three different infield spots, never complains, and always has a smile on his face. And he proves that you know what, just be happy. You're a major league ball player. Go to work and try to become better every day. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. And he took a guy like Alexi under his wing, and if some veteran players show up, cash their check, and go home, this guy shows up and said. How can I make you better? Because you are the future of this franchise. I'm not. I'm 43, going on 44. Maybe here for a couple years. Maybe I'll coach or manage. But, you know, a lot of people want to know how you can help Alexi Ramirez, and he has done just that. Kev, before I let you go, I want to ask you one question regarding Bears camp. And it's it's about the relationship between Jay Cutler and Mike Martz. I'm a, I've got a Jay Cutler jersey on right now. I think Jay Cutler is a fantastic quarterback. Do you think Mike Martz is going to make him that much better? Uh, I think Mike Martz certainly has proven he can get it out of guys that have that ability. But to use the word fantastic and Jay Cutler, for a guy who's never won a playoff game, has never had a winning record at the collegiate or professional level, that might be overstating it just a bit. I'm not a Jay Cutler guy. Uh, I think he's got a tremendously talented arm, but I think he's also a guy that has a ton to prove because a lot of doubters, like me, are out there. When you hear Tony Dungy say last year or Mike Ditka, you guys think that Jay Cutler is the, the reason the Bears are going to win. You guys are sadly mistaken. The Denver Broncos don't just give away pro ball quarterbacks, and that's exactly how I feel. Now, can Mike Mark turn his career around? We're going to find out. Which coach is more important to uh, Jay Cutler, Mike Tice getting the offensive line corrected or, or Mike Mark putting Cutler in a position to win? Well, I think Mike Tice keeping him healthy and you know keeping people up off his back, I think that's certainly important, but I think the whole scheme begins and ends with Mike Marks. It's what type of offensive attack they're going to run, and can he get Cutler you know, into a much better frame of mind? Because he's had his issues here so far. All right, Cap. Well, I'm going to let you get back to uh, Dusty Baker. Thanks so much for taking the time, joining us here on Two Guys and a Mike, and I will see you out at Arlington Park. Look forward to it. I'll see you boys later. I'm proud of both of you. All right. Thanks, Thanks Capper. That was David Kaplan of Comcast Sportsnet and WGN Radio. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about a five-year-old girl on top of her game. I'll tell you who that is on the other side of the break. Two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com.
lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. You know, during that break, I realized that I had not plugged the phone number at all, so Voice Man did it for me. If you want to jump in, 888-463-6748. We're talking anything right now. We're going to go over some uh, some of the national stuff, Big Dog. And I, I, I teased this five-year-old girl uh, who's on top of her game. Do you have any idea who I'm talking about? Um, actually, no. I have no clue at this moment who you're talking about. Okay. Well, there's a, um, the five-year-old is actually a horse, and her name is Zenyatta. Have you heard of Zenyatta? Oh, yes, I have. She's... Uh, uh, Coach is always talking horses for some reason. <laughs> he, uh, or she, I should say, is undefeated. She's won 17 races in a row over her now uh, two, three, four, five, four year racing career. Um, and she's going for her 18th in a row, uh, tomorrow in the Clement Hirsch Stakes out in California. It's out at Del Mar. Um, she's still undefeated. I mean, th- this is a pretty special horse. I mean, when was the last time we've seen a dominant performance like this in any sport? Well, yeah, if you talk about uh, 17 consecutive wins, there's usually like anywhere from like six to 15 horses in a race. So that's, uh, you know, that is pretty impressive to be honest. But you don't know like what horses they've been racing against and stuff. So it's but what's the biggest race that horses won? The Breeders' Cup Classic last. Oh, uh, Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's the I think it's the second most richest race in the world. Um, And she beat a bunch of the boys, which you don't you don't see fillies running against. Uh, the boys very often, and when they do, it's a huge deal if they beat the boys. Rachel Alexandra, uh, Zenyatta, of course, rags to riches in the Belmont a couple of years ago. Uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm a big horse racing guy, and um, Zenyatta brings us back to um, I, sort of the time of Seabiscuit when the whole the whole country was uh, caught up in the Seabiscuit fever. You know, when, whenever this colt would race. The, the entire country would be listening to the race. They didn't have TV back then. Uh, but when he when he took on uh, War Admiral in the in the match race, I'm sure you've seen the movie Sea Biscuits. So you kind oh, yeah, of so so you you know the story. This kind of takes us back to that time when the entire sport and now horse racing's not what it used to be. But um, horse racing the the horse racing nation, so to speak, is enamored with Zenyatta and what she's been able to do. And I think. I mentioned the Breeders' Cup Classic. That sort of legitimized her career because, you know, you, you mentioned you, we don't know the level of competition. I mean, you know, racing just at, pretty much out in California. Um, but Zenyatta sort of brings us back. I think she's great for the sport because, you know, we have someone that we can all root for. Um, and I, I think it's a shame that she won't face Rachel Alexander, probably, who's another dominant filly. Um, what's, your, what's your take on, on horse racing and, and where it is now? and sort of where it used to be, and I guess, do you think there's a future for horse racing? Well, look, considering that you can bet off of your computer at pretty much any particular racetrack around the country, horse racing has a, a phenomenal future. So if, if you think about it, baseball is the only sport that doesn't have this gigantic betting following that is really popular right now in the United States. Because you think it's the most other pot. Like, you go to a UFC fight and... Like, you know, you, I'll be in a room with, like, 15 people, and 14 of them have a $500 bet on one of the fights going on that night. You know, and then you're talking about football. Oh, my goodness, you're talking about fantasy football. So sure. people gambling on that, and you're talking about who knows how many, how much other money is bet on each particular game. 
yeah, I hate to tell you, Brady, but it, it's about the gambling. So oh, if you yeah. can gamble on it, it, it has a, a future. And and for me, you know, I, gambling is certainly you know a fun aspect of it. Uh, and some people really do make it their job at this, and that, that's where it gets kind of scary. But that, that's another story for another day. But for me, you know, horse racing is not just about the betting. I, th- I think if you, if you can grow to appreciate what happens at the racetrack every day, you know, in the, in the mornings when the, when the horses are working out, between the time that the workouts are over and the races begin, what happens? And then once the races begin, if you go down to the paddock and, and look at what happens, and granted, if you don't know what's going on, you know, I talked about this um, a few weeks ago with Joe Christofek. If you don't know what's going on, it's hard to appreciate uh, the sport. So I think if as long as you can get educated on the sport, I think you'll grow to appreciate it because it's it's such a such a cool sport. And a lot of people don't realize that when they go to the track, it's not a show. It's not it's not entertainment. These are this is these guys' jobs, just like you would go to a Cubs game or a Sox game. This is their job. No, you're talking about the gamblers. Well, I mean, just a, a, an average person going to the racetrack. You know, they, they don't realize that this is the the horse's job. It's the jockey's job. It's the trainer's job. It's a really it really is a professional sport, not just a show. And I think that's where some of the um, some some of it gets lost is because the you know they think it's a show. Well, uh, I mean, those are the people that really aren't spending a lot of money at the track and and aren't gambling on it on it too much. So they're like going there, putting a two dollar uh, bet on something to show, and then they're either you know drinking like uh, pina coladas or stuff <laughs> like that. The, the people that are there like wagering hundred, two hundred dollars a race, you know, those guys realize that it's a it's a professional sport, and they're those horses are out there to win. Right. Well, I, I think Zenyatta can only be good for the game, and I hope there's more horses, you know, like her that the country can really relate with. Uh, let's move on to the Big Ten, or is it the Big Twelve? I don't know. Whatever it is going to be, I think it's going to stay the Big Ten. Uh, but but they they announced their inaugural championship game setting, and it's going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium uh, down there in Indianapolis. And I think that is a phenomenal decision. What about you? Well, you know what, as a as a, as a diehard, uh, you know, like Chicagoan, you know, I was hoping it would be at, at Soldier Field, but I, that the best facility in the whole Midwest is without a doubt Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's, let's not even argue that. It's better in Ford Field. It's better in Lambeau Field. But when they were, like, the, the Soldier Field or people in Chicago, whoever runs it, the Chicago Park District were like, oh, we're examining the possibility. Right. Just say you want it. That's all you need <laughs> to say was, yes, we want it. Put us in the ring. You know, so they actually had no chance because you know those people in Indianapolis. They they, they took the Big Ten tournament away from us, uh, which I mean stuff like that just bothers me. You know what? Yeah. Don't try to act highfalutin. Act like you want it. The Big Ten championship should be at Soldier Field every couple of years. Don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. I, I think part of the draw with well, I'm sure a big part of the draw with with Lucas Oil is, is that roof, and Soldier uh-huh. Field doesn't have a roof. And you, you look at other conference championship games. You know, the ACC, they're down there in Atlanta. Um, uh, Big 12, I can't think of where they usually have it. but so the, they, they, they move it around. Uh, Big 12 has been everywhere from Arrowhead Stadium. It, it, was at, uh, it was at Cowboy Stadium last year, Jerry Jones Field. It, it's moved around a little bit. It was at the Cotton Bowl back in the days when they used to, used to play games at the Cotton Bowl. So, and the SEC game is, uh, you know, that's uh, usually indoors also. So Right. I, th- I think the I-, I mean the ideal setting for a championship game is indoors, so that that's why I think um, 
Lucas Oil is, is a phenomenal decision. Plus, I mean, Indianapolis is the home of the NCAA. Uh, it's an amateur sports capital. There's two Big Ten schools in Indiana, uh, and I think you'll definitely get a uh, a neutral a neutral uh, setting because I don't think Purdue or my Hoosiers will be there anytime soon. Uh, I, I hate to tell you, but no, <laughs> Indiana doesn't really have a chance. To, well, who knows? You know, it'll be the 2011 season. Anything can change, and and then they're going to not Indiana season. football. Indiana football doesn't change. It was, yeah, they had that nice little run under Bill Mallory where they went to like two bowl games in like mm-hmm. six years. So that was that was really good under them. So, yeah, we, we don't have football; we have tailgating. Now, I just I'm just wondering how they're going to break the Big Ten uh, divisions up because if they break it up the way I think they're going to break it up, Illinois all of a sudden. Well, if, if they break it up east west, because if they break it up north south, it really doesn't make any sense because it's basically an east west type conference. Right. If Illinois is in a conference with or, or a division with Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Illinois, they have a shot to to go in the championship game every once in a while. Then the East would be crazy with Penn State, Michigan, uh, Ohio State, you know. And then Indiana, Purdue, and uh, I forget, and Michigan State. So right. I don't know how they're going to break that up, but I'm, I'm very interested to see. I did a quick Google search about it and came up with this site. It's a Penn State site, but he lays out the east and west scenario. In the east is Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Purdue, and IU. And then in the west is Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Illinois, and Minnesota. So, I mean, you, you look at the, the two tiers. Well, I shouldn't say two tiers, but the top teams, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, they're all in the same division. Exactly. That's a exactly. rough division. Yeah, that's that's exactly because I I was thinking when I looked at where all the schools are, I'm like geographically you can't really have a north south. Right. I mean, you really it, it couldn't be that way. So even if it is north south, then all the basic difference is uh, basically Ohio State and Indiana would come to the the western part, and then northwestern and Wisconsin, and I guess and Minnesota. So I'm not exactly sure who else would come over, but. I really don't think they can break it up north south. To be honest with you, it just right. wouldn't look right. Right. Let, let's stay on the college football topic, and we'll go to West Virginia. And they were just notified by the NCAA that they were accused of five major football rules violations, uh, and it, it stems back to the Rich Rodriguez era. Now, how many strikes is this guy going to get? He's already in trouble at Michigan. He's already on the hot seat at Michigan because they're not doing so well. And now he's got two different schools being investigated for major violations that are basically the same thing. Um, is this guy going to be blacklisted anytime soon? What's the deal? You know what? For some reason, it, it seems like coaches always get a second chance. But eventually, you know, and then they get their, their third chance. Eventually, you run out of strikes. Like it happened to Calvin Sampson, eventually. Oh, and you should know that as an IU <laughs> Oh, I know it well. Okay, he kept on getting chances. I could not stand that guy. And uh, Rich Rodriguez is in the same boat. There was something. Whenever I think of uh, Rich Rodriguez, I always think of the, the shot that he had to go to the national title game, and they lost to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, he was getting uh, interviewed at, at the press conference, and it was a like, and just the way they had it set up at at that particular. I forget if it was at West Virginia or, or at Pittsburgh, but I think it was at West Virginia. And I think it was at home. I'm most positive it was. But the the Pittsburgh players, their locker room was right behind where 
Mitch Rodriguez was speaking at the press conference, and all you could hear in the background is the Pittsburgh players going absolutely berserk <laughs> and screaming and enjoying themselves. And Rodriguez was just like a sunken, sullen man. And that, that was like his last game he coached as a as a Mountaineer coach. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're right because he he bolted for Michigan, and this I mean we we've seen it time and time again. And now there's a bunch of a bunch of schools being investigated that have come out just you know rapid fire. Georgia comes to mind. Florida, South Carolina, West Virginia, Michigan's in there. I mean, is is this just a case of you know teams getting caught all at once, or is this something that the NCAA has been sitting on and they've now decided to release their cases? Well, you know what? I, I, let's, for me, it's a, there's a big difference when the school is uh, is basically uh, creating violations, or if there were agents that somehow we're messing with the kids on the team. Is it really, I mean, is it really going to be uh, like Mark Rick's fault at, at Georgia if A.J. Green took money from an agent? Because I'm sure Mark Rick has told everybody on the team, don't take money from agents, don't take anything from an agent. Right. And so, I, like, I, I, don't blame the, I don't blame USC for Reggie Bush taking money from some, from, uh, some agent. Right. It, it's, hard, it's hard to blame you know, the school, but they, they are going to take the fall for it. And mm-hmm. it, it's it may be a shame, but that's the way it works. I mean, we've seen it time and time again with um, with Calipari. You know, he he puts schools on probation and really leaves them hanging out to dry. I mean, we're we're not going to get into that whole topic because that opens up another can of worms that we'll talk about. You know, in November when college basketball starts. But I mean, these coaches who who get away with uh, you know rules violations and then jump ship and go to a different um, school and they don't get touched well i shouldn't say that because you know rich rodriguez is in trouble with two different schools now but at some point you have to say okay enough's enough you're done here i couldn't agree more there was no reason that uh calvin Sampson should have got another job and got paid the money he did after what he did to oklahoma right and and so if rich rodriguez he should be fired if he did something at west virginia he shouldn't be able to coach at michigan right well, and they they made the mistake of, of hiring him. I mean, granted, they didn't know about this um, West Virginia stuff when they hired him at Michigan, but I, I got to think that, you know, the Michigan people are not happy that Rich Rodriguez is being investigated again. No, but you know what? You, sometimes, you know what? You got to be wary about who you're getting involved with. Right. Involved with. Right. So, I mean, West Virginia... I don't know. I don't know how would they get. I don't know how they get all those players. To be quite honest with you. So, yeah. Now, what exactly are some of the violations that they were talking about that he did? Uh, too much practice. Uh, assistants sitting in on meetings when they shouldn't have. Assistants coaching when they shouldn't have. Uh, a lot of just you know, it seems like petty rules violations. But the fact is that it's all done under Rodriguez's nose, and they're they're charging him with failure to promote an atmosphere of compliance, which is. Essentially, what he got at Michigan is what he's going to get at at West Virginia, and that that basically says, "Wow, you don't have control of your program. What are you doing?" You know. So I would I wonder if the NCAA is going to punish West Virginia for this. Probably, it always ends up back on the school because it's it's not just Rich Rodriguez, you know, who's involved. There's a lot of assistants and graduate assistants and whatnot. So I would bet that um, that West Virginia gets a. Gets a talking to from the NCAA. 
Now, West Virginia doesn't have any pro sports. They treat the Mountaineers like gods. Oh, yeah. If you go to Marshall, you're a god in yep. West Virginia. Yep. It's as simple as that. West, uh, Rich Rodriguez should not drive to West Virginia is the best way for me to put it. Right. He will get a ticket. They're going to find a heroin or something like that in his car or a body. Oh, God. Yeah, he definitely should not drive to that particular state. That's a heck of a way to end the Friday. <laughs> Big Dog, thanks for joining me. Thanks to Randy Meyer on the other side of the glass. Thanks to TalkZone.com. Happy Friday, everyone. Coach will be back on Monday. Two guys and a mic. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Two Guys and a Mic. You'll find us. Two Guys and a Mic. TalkZone.com. <laughs>